The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest show of them all it is the nfc east mixtape volume 144 you can listen to this wherever you get your nfc east blog podcast across the sb nation network you can also watch us on the bleeding green nation youtube channel or the blog and the boys youtube channel where you will see one brandon lee gotten from bleeding green nation drinking out of what i imagine is a dunkin donut straw not a partner or an ad but just a, a literal truth uh you will see myself drinking a um a juice uh from a local juice place i'm rj Trout from blog and the voice blg i'm starting a, a juice I wouldn't say cleanse, but I'm mm. starting to maybe get into juice. We'll see how that goes in my life. How you doing? What flavor is that? This is uh, it's called minty grapefruit, and Ooh. it um, it features um, I don't know, but I did pick it. Um, it's like a. Recipe. How would you describe the color to the audio audience? Um, it's like a like a tangerine color. It's mm. maybe like that's what it, or like a grapefruit color. Um, it obviously has the, the name grapefruit in it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, uh, she's a big juice person. I'm not. So I'm very excited to see, you know, what this journey has in store for me. Um, how are you feeling? What with this being our last mixtape, that was going to be like a super dramatic thing. I was going to pause, but of 2023, uh, yeah, uh, this is the the week where like, we're going to get the, like, this is the last whatever, you know, of, of the year, um, which is technically and literally true. Feels a little far away to me still. I know it's only what five days away, whatever, less than a week, but it still feels far to me for some reason. I guess the weird scheduling of Christmas lining up with and conflicting with NFL games kind of has me more focused on the games part than the reality of the year and what day it is. And for me, it feels like a Monday because the Eagles displayed yesterday. So I'm kind of out of whack in that regard. I am, um, I'm very grateful for football, right? Like football, you know, in our case, puts roofs over our head, right? Uh, football puts food on our table, puts juice um you know in my hand uh put Dunkin donuts in your hand uh but i i'm good with football on holidays like this is not enjoyable i yeah. i love like the thanksgiving thing for me and i think most cowboys fans would agree it's it's just a kind of part of the holiday like you grow up experiencing it but like having three games on on christmas was really overwhelming uh, and to your point multiple times and the cowboys weren't even playing i was just watching football it felt like I, I I doubted. I was like, is it Sunday? Like I, I legitimately questioned several times. Yep. And to your point, even today for us, uh, which is Tuesday, I find myself in this weird lull of not understanding where we're at at this point in time, which kind of feels like 
when you're a kid and you're on Christmas break and you don't know what day it is. Right. Especially with the Saturday games mixed in there, too. So, oh, you know, for sure. Three straight days of games. You're like, wait, today? Today's Sunday? Which day is Sunday? And we got another one in two days. That's right. A real barn burner with the Jets and Browns. Um, wow. Thrilling. Um, yeah. It's How was your Christmas, RJ? Did any good gifts for uh, Royal Jr.? Uh, I'm Roel Jr., just to be very clear. Roel Jr., uh, Jr.? That's, that's where the, the J comes from. Um, he, we got him a little uh, barbecue pit, um, like a little plastic one, and he loved the food in it. Um, wow. It came with a, a burger that you kind of stack together and a hot dog and a jalapeno because you obviously have to cook uh, nice. grill some veggies. But it came with this little like tomato slice, and that was his favorite part. Like not the burger, not the hot dog, not even the grill itself. Just a little tomato. He's a, very a good tomato slice on a burger can be really nice. You know, a hot burger, the temperature contrast cools it down. It's a little, especially if the burger is a bit drier too. You need something to kind of you know add some level of of moisture in there. That's true. Maybe that's what he was going for. Um, he has a lot. He's into animals. He loves animals and like farm animals. So he's got a lot of farm animal toys. Uh, so all told, you know, when you've got a kid, that's kind of what Christmas is. I don't even remember what I got. I mean, I got some things and I'm very appreciative for them. Uh, but it's mostly like necessities. I ordered myself a new planner for 2024. And I'm, that's the thing mm. I'm most excited about. If I'm being a honest. planner, not-, not a planter. No, um, and I've adjusted. Um, I actually um, used to be a desk calendar person. You know what I'm saying? Like you have the the big flat thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm flipping to becoming like a a, a planner and notebook person. So I, I'm hoping that that is a little bit you know better from an organizational standpoint. Um, did you get a planner? What did you get for Christmas? Did you get anything every, cool besides access year, to Dunkin' Donuts? Every year, my parents get me. It's kind of like a bit like I've had an Eagles ah. calendar, like literally since I was in like whatever, 10, like just every year. It's just like consistent. It's funny. It's funny because they wrap it too. So it's just like, oh, I wonder what that shape is again each year. But it's it's good. It's a good bit that we do each year. And it's funny too because um, whoever makes the calendars isn't necessarily super keyed in to like right. which players and the Eagles are good necessarily, especially when the team is bad. And like there was one year where like Andre Dillard is on there when he was he's been like Jalen Rager. Um, those are first round picks, so that at least makes a little sense. But there's like Jeff Mayo was on there one time who was, you know, like basically bottom of the roster receiver who never played. So it's kind of funny to me sometimes. This year is actually pretty good. It's like people who actually are good and play on the team. Like just for example, like Darius Slay is on here, Dar- uh, Lane Johnson, Josh Sweat. Jordan Mailata, Hassan Reddick, Jalen Hurts, and so on. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Um, it does it does lead off with Kenny Gainwell in January, so that's a little strange. But I don't think that's strange at all. I think that that's pretty representative of who the Eagles are, at least how they like to play. Um, and it, you're right. Like I don't know when they make those things. It's generally I would imagine sometime in like the spring or summer in order yeah, to like, like mass July, produce them. I think. Uh, but so like next year will be the year that DeAndre Swift probably gets to be a part of it. You know what it's I'm saying? possible. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they'll do that with the one year deal or whatever. We'll see. Um, we will see. Um, okay. Are we ready? Uh, or what did, how was your Christmas spread? What was the best thing you ate? Um, we didn't really do like a big Christmas spread. As I've said before, my mom's birthday is on Christmas. So, you know, it's not Happy like birthday, Mrs. G. And great job with the going calendar. To my mom, uh you know cooking you know don't uh, you know that's not really fun to do on your birthday uh so we kind of just went out to somewhere on christmas eve got a nice little brunch and then christmas morning you know i had to go to the game so uh, we just had a breakfast small breakfast at home which was nice okay um i had a um a crab mac and cheese 
or I'm, I can't remember if it was, no, it's lobster. It's lobster mac and cheese that I told you I got from Sam's and it slapped. I knew it would and it did. That's one of the most satisfying things about food is when you believe something's going to be amazing and then mm. it actually is. Um, so, yeah. Um, what was your favorite thing about Christmas mixologist? You can let us know what the hashtag. That's right. Christmas mix. That's the hashtag mm. that we're going to go with. Uh, final thing, uh, I guess before we start, you told me not to spoil the Survivor finale for you because you were, yes. were going to wait to watch it till Friday. Um, I think I want to be respectful for anyone who hasn't seen it for whatever reason. It was a holiday weekend, you know, people mm -hmm. were busy. Um, so just your non-spoiler thoughts on uh, Survivor season 45. Hmm. I thought it was an, a good season. I usually do. Uh, I think the winner was justified. I'll say that much. I think it made sense and it was a good season. I think that that's really well said. I think relative to like how I think we all felt going into the finale, it was pretty chalk. Um, you know, yes. maybe not like from a, a season long standpoint, but relative to that point. Um, by the way, I have never seen Jeff Probst roast a single Survivor contestant the way he did throughout the finale. That was an interesting choice uh, when when he showed a proper but high level of support for a different contestant earlier in the season uh, in a similar sort of situation. So kind of strange. Jeff's been a little bit uh, crankier <laughs> lately, especially if you listen to his podcast and how he's been ripping on the Survivor casting, assisting mm. services. He's uh, kind of needlessly aggressive, I would say. Well, Jeff, come on over here and tell us your thoughts, because um, I'm sure that they're aggressive with regards but to we the still, energy. Yeah, we still love Jeff Probst. Oh, obviously. Um, I think the best host in the game, though, is Phil from The Amazing Race. He's the best. Interesting. He's he's the, the kindest. He's the most heartwarming. But anyway, um, let's start uh, where we always do, which is the top of the NFC East order, the Philadelphia Eagles, who played one day ago uh, for us, two days ago for the listener. Um, I was told, Brandon, that that it would be easy to blow out the New York Giants. The blowing out the Giants was, was not a, an impressive feat. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the Giants and Terod Taylor, uh, in a bit of a surprise twist, mm. uh, maybe not a surprise, depending on how you feel about them, but uh, took the Eagles to the distance, I, I think is not an uncharacteristic way to put this. 33 to 25, the final score. Philly stops the three-game losing streak. Um, there are, I guess, what, like mm. 80,000 offensive coordinators in Philadelphia right now who were all chanting um, at Brian Johnson uh, on Sunday afternoon. Your thoughts on the Eagles um, and where they're at at this moment? I disagree with that characterization. I don't think the Giants took the Eagles to the distance. I think the Eagles took themselves to the distance because, I mean. Well, say it however you want. I mean, you get my point. But I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, they – I'm criticizing them for – it should have been a feel-good win. should have been a get-right game. You're driving up 17-3 to um, – or wait, 14-3 to three, uh, late in the, the first half there, late in the second quarter. Okay, you're getting into, like, red zone, field goal kind of territory. Kenny Gainwell run, fumbles out of bounds. Nick Sirianni doesn't realize that the clock is still running. Let's, like, 19 or so seconds go off the clock. Could have been, could have called, uh, I believe it would have been the Eagles' second timeout at 50 seconds left. So, you know, plenty of time still to get, do whatever you want to do, throw into the end zone. Instead, 19 seconds gone. Okay. That's not good. Still can salvage it. Jalen Hurts takes off running and somehow doesn't get out of bounds with the Eagles having no timeouts left. And the Eagles were fortunate that Bobby Okereke, uh, held on to the ball on the ground. And I do think that was a legitimate defensive delay of game penalty because some people were like questioning that. I think the broadcast didn't show as well. Being in the stadium in person, um, the ref was literally right there and like also trying to get the ball. And Jason Kelsey was like trying to rip the ball away from him on the ground and he wouldn't give it up. 
So like the ref's going to call it at that point because like it was pretty uh, egregiously not letting go of the ball there to to prevent it from being spotted. So I do think it was a fair penalty, but um you know you can't count on that. It's a bad it's a terrible play by Jalen Hurts to not get out of bounds there and at least give the Eagles probably you know, if they're, if he's able to get out of bounds, they probably can at least throw it into the end zone like one more time and have a shot at a touchdown there. Instead, you kick the field goal. Like, okay, that's bad, but whatever. You're up 20, or well, I'm losing track of the score. It would be up 17 to three at that point. It was whatever. 20 to three at halftime. Okay, 23. Yes. Okay, so you would have been up 20 to three. You're up 23. That's fine. And the end, you get the ball back to begin. You're up the, 17 the points. I think that's where yep. you were getting confused. Yes. Okay. You're up 17 <laughs> points and you get the ball back to start the third quarter. So, like, okay, you know, another opportunity to really get even more points, probably end the game at that point, take some clock off, um, to get some time off the clock. <clears throat> Instead, Boston Scott runs into Alameda Zacchaeus and fumbles, and the Giants get a touchdown. And then ultimately, after that, Giants within two after a pick six once again when the eagles were driving so it was a two-point game and it's just like this shouldn't be a two-point game like you were dominating this team giants couldn't do anything couldn't stop you couldn't get anything going on offense it's a two-point game and ultimately um obviously the eagles find a way to win because they go up another they go up two scores again although they then allow the only thing you can't do in that situation it's like okay if you allow the giants to have a long drive where time is taken off the clock not ideal but that's fine the only thing you can't do there is allow them to score quickly over the top in 42 seconds, and that's what they do. And again, Eagles ultimately put it away. But for the Giants to have a chance, even at the final play of the game, to not win, obviously, in regulation, but tie it up with a touchdown, two-point conversion, it's just, why? Like, it's just so stupid. The team played such a dumb brand of football. And I think that starts with your boy, Nick Sirianni. Like, th- there were so many dumb mistakes across the board. They can't just be about you know, one player making a, a dumb mistake. No, it's like across the board. It's the, the Eagles, here's, I know I'm going long here. What I'll, Here's what I'll say about that performance. They looked like a poorly coached team. I saw you tweeting about this and like saying Sirianni deserves more criticism. It can't just be yeah, I'm so sick. Sorry, I'm, I'm just so sick of like, Brian Johnson, Brian Johnson sucks, Brian Johnson sucks. Like you're missing the forest for the trees here. The, the the problem starts at the top. It's not just about like, hey, we we flip the switch at coordinator and all the issues are solved. No, this is like a, a top level issue. I mean, I think you can always ultimately point everything back to the head coach, which is like, you know, kind of like the proverbial ism. Um, but like, OK, even if the coordinator sucks right? like even if you want to like die on that hill. Who hired him? Like, who made that right. decision? Like, you know, like, who, who's, whose choice was this to go down this road? Exactly. Um, and, like, whose choice, again, even if it's, I saw somebody tweet, and I don't remember who it was. It was, you know how it can be, like, there's just chaos on your timeline. Like, I feel like Matt Patricia might be the most, like, stable part of the, like, Eagles coaching operation right now, which is, um, you know, kind of strange. Like, certainly not. I don't not. know. It's, I mean, it's hard to tell because, he, they, he, you know, they're playing bad offenses right now. He has the least, um, like, muck around him. You know, like, everybody has – and maybe that's just, like, longstanding problems with Brian Johnson or whatever. Um, but the, the thing I think is dumb – and this isn't an Eagles fan-based thing, but, like, when people be like when, – when a good play happens, they're like, yeah, there you go, Brian Johnson. Like, now you're calling – like, it's almost, like he's purposefully calling bad things. You know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. avoiding the good plays or whatever. Um, I thought that there this game was encapsulated very well by Jimmy Kemsky, uh, of obviously of BGN Radio fame. Um, he tweeted out right after the game, the Eagles won a football game, comma, which mm-hmm. I read is like kind of a dramatic effect, which is better than losing a football game, comma. Sure. But 
and then the, instead of like any kind of words it was the the like yikes emoji they're like the grimace yeah, yeah they're like Ugh. and um and i think that that's like i i don't know like i think you would agree especially now based on everything we've seen in, in the three game losing streak obviously kind of highlighted this and you talked about last week how the eagles were frauds and blah 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 um I think that the grimace emoji was somewhat prevalent among Eagles fans prior to the three game losing streak. It was like, Hey, a win is a win. A win is a win. A win is a win. I don't see that energy here. I, I mean, this, this just feels not even like a moral loss. It just feels like, okay, you want a game, but you're going to get smoked in the playoffs. At least that's my assessment of how Eagles fans feel about this team. I'm not declaring that to be the truth. Well, let's, let's just take the fans out of it for a second and take us out of it. What we say as much as we want you to keep listening and everything doesn't really matter. Look at the players. Look at how they're reacting to it. Look how Devontae Smith after the game is like, we have 11 wins. I'm not happy. And that's not just like a one-off comment. That kind of encapsulates the vibe of the team. The vibes with the team are bad. There was that Jeff McLean uh, podcast slash report from last week about how the Eagles are like the most miserable 10-3 and team ever at the time. 10-1. 10-1, yeah, a team ever. I mean, still applies to 10-3. and But yes, at at 10-1. and And like, that's not just so that's that's clearly not just if you want to be like well the team is actually fine it's you know just a lot of criticism the vibes are harsh which i kind of felt that way at first i was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt but they're not even willing to give themselves the benefit of the doubt they're clearly not happy aj brown's refusing to talk after the game yeah hassan reddick and nick sirianni and people are like yelling at each other on the sideline after the game like the vibes are clearly off here and that's another thing on sirianni like part of his job is to foster good vibes. I think he's done that in the past too, but right now that's not happening. And again, this is a top level issue. It's not just about a couple unhappy players. It's not like, obviously AJ Brown's an emotional player, but it's not just like it's him. That's the only issue. It's Devonte Smith. It's everyone. Like there's a lot of players here who just, they don't, there was apparently, I just saw this today on Tuesday morning from ESPN's Tim McManus. The Eagles had a, the dreaded players only meeting last week. Uh, before the Giants game. So the vibes are just clearly off with this team. There was the Jalen Hurts comment a week ago after the Seahawks loss about, um, I'm paraphrasing, but like questioning commitment or whatever it was. Um, and then he was asked, correct me if I'm wrong, after this game about the crowd chanting to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you mentioned last week that he can be a little bit terse sometimes in, in those moments. Needlessly and, so, yes. Um, and so he was asked about the chanting and he was like, again, paraphrasing, that was kind of unnecessary. They're supposed to get loud for the defense, not the, like that. Again, I'm not trying to like stir the pot or anything, but that feels like a shut the hell up. Yeah. Like again, grossly exaggerating here, but like, be quiet. Like, let us figure this out. Y'all are just being ridiculous or unfair or whatever the case may be. And it's not like he's wrong in terms of, yeah, obviously like literally the crowd is not supposed (laughs) to get loud for the teams off. You're right. Like that's, that's true. But, also, maybe don't take on the fans. That, that's what I get. That's a, that's a better way to put it. Like, it does feel like taking on the fans or taking a stand against like the like crowd fan petition to run the ball, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Although I do agree with, you know, those chants can be misguided. I think some of them were happening. It was like tw- second and 20. Really? You want to run the ball in second and 20? Like, that's how you're going to get a first down. So, like, some of that was you know, silly and misplaced. And it wasn't like the issue with the team. And I, I'm so tired of that as a, as a general criticism. Like I saw that last night, just when the 49ers lost, it was like 49ers, they, they, they passed more than they ran the ball. Yeah. That's why they lost. No, that's not why they lost the game. That is a symptom. Uh, it's not the cause of them losing. It's so dumb. It's just like, there's no, 
football discussion somehow has not evolved past the point of just like run the ball equal win that's not how it works um i agree that the vibes are are pretty off everything feels really difficult i mean everything feels like it's requiring all amounts of energy which is obviously an exhausting thing mm-hmm. um and i don't know i don't know how to like summarize it whether it's you know the expectation whether it's a self-induced expectation. Um, obviously, you know, I've charged Nick Sirianni with a lot of responsibility for that. And there is something to like, yeah, hold yourself to a high standard, but he has like, he has made them into this like pariah of expectation. And if they fall short of it, he, again, he has kind of set them up to, to really take it on from whoever, um, on the hurts thing. I, I, Again, not trying to be critical in a in a funny way, but like, man, like he is not a functional quarterback in the NFL right now. He did have the third and twenty play, which that, that was, was like the, that was the best play I, and the most like quarterback he has played in a very long. I would argue we've talked about this before since the Zacchaeus touchdown against Buffalo. I mean, like, but other than that, I mean, it is the same old thing. It is just bail, buy time, mm-hmm. run, get yourself into tush push territory, whatever. Like he is not a, fu- I'll say he's not a functional passer right now in the NFL. Like I, I would have zero fear of him as a passer other than just putting the ball within the radius of AJ Brown's massive wingspan. Yeah. The discourse about hurts after the game has been kind of interesting just to see, like, I see people like, you know, frustrated with him. I see people being like, actually a really good game. The interception isn't on him. That's true. Dallas Goddard slips and falls. At the same time, the play right before that, Jalen Hurts almost did throw a pick, and it it was because he like threw behind AJ Brown on that play. It's like it's because he made a bad throw that the ball wasn't picked off. If the ball were, it was a better throw to where like it theory in theory should have been, it would have been picked off. So that's not like a good play by Jalen Hurts. It's just he got fortunate there, and that's kind of in a, a micro. That's like two different plays there. Okay, the first play he got away with not throwing a pick. The second one, a bad thing happened. So like. Is it totally undeserved? It's not like he wasn't putting the ball in harm's way at all. So I think you have to acknowledge that. Um, the third and 20 throw was legitimately awesome. And it was weird to me because the angle from I, I viewed it in at the stadium, it looked like it was going to be a pick. because He's throwing it right to where a Giants defender is underneath, but just the pass somehow just just over the uh, the outstretched arm of that defender. So really electric throw. And ultimately, you know, Ultimately, at the end of the day, did the right things, but that the situational the situational awareness play again. Going back to that, at the end of the first half, like that's a, that's not like a one off play. I think there's been times um, with Hertz throughout his career and the season where it's just like he doesn't have that like one thousand IQ. And look, this is a high standard to hold him to, to be clear. But he doesn't have like that, you know, Mahomes or Rogers kind of like you know, ex- like exceptional situational like, awareness inst- kind of. Thing. I wouldn't even call it awareness. I would call it instinct. You know what I mean? Like instinct. there is just a natural it, like. And I would argue, I think we both liked this about him before. Like Russell Wilson had that like early in his career. He seemed to always kind of have the right. right feel for the moment. Um, and I, I mean. I don't know. I don't know that Hurts ever had that. If if it was just a matter of like Eagles or bludgeoning the Eagles or bludgeoning team so badly last year that like it never truly came into play. And, and again, he had a great game in the Super Bowl. But it's I think it's more than fair to doubt him. I don't know that it's fair to doubt the contract because I feel like it was the right move. But I do understand how, with regards to Eagles fans, the you know those Carson Wentz scars have like sort of barely healed over almost. And and it 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 does kind of feel like a similar pattern, right? Like this amazing year. 
you know, the Super Bowl berth, obviously in that case, a victory that uh, granted Carson wasn't a part of specifically in terms of the game, um, parlayed into a big time early, you know, contract for the quarterback. And then the play that makes you wonder if it's falling apart, the vibes around him not being great. Um, I mean, and I don't, I think we would have thought like there's nothing at all, you know, that you can correlate between Wentz and Hurts from like a individual leadership standpoint, but like mm -hmm. the vibes or whatever are maybe not Wentz level bad, uh, but mm -hmm. like they're not great with Hurts specifically and individually right now. Yeah, there was a report last week about how there's like internal concern about Hertz's like leadership in terms of like being a little too stoic. I mean, that's part of just who he is. I'm not thinking he's being inauthentic, but um, and I don't know exactly what they want different, but maybe it's a little about having a little bit more, um, you know, like fire, passion. a little bit more yeah, passion when the team. But that's I think that's hurts, though. I mean, that's part of the upside of that um, stoicism is that when things are like he's just being he's trying to be steady. He's trying to be steady. I think it's fair to wonder, OK, is there a time where there is a, a little more yeah, fire needed at a certain point? And I think that's you know fair to wonder. I don't think that's the biggest issue, though. I don't think that's like making or breaking his career here. I do think um, it's not even just about when it's also like going back to Nick Foles. It's like, you know, you have this quarterback who is playing awesome young quarterback playing awesome looks like the guy and then the first goal that step era, back. you're saying yeah first, oh, obviously yeah. yes okay yeah. when well i mean when, for 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 like non-eagles right. fans i think yeah, that's not important the, context. the yes um before wins so you know it's kind of been that pattern of quarterbacks who look like their guy might not be the guy i still think you know hurts is big picture i'm not really super worried about him long term i think he's kind of having a step back year after last year and he's still he's a lot younger than Wentz, and I believe probably Foles was at the time. He's actually I don't know if you know this the same age as Tommy DeVito. There, I think they were born on the same day. So you know, crazy. go figure. Yeah, but that that puts it in perspective. Like Tommy DeVito's a rookie. Think about that. And here Hertz is in year four. Um, so you know you're, you're hoping you're expecting to see things better. I think he's definitely a fair target of criticism, but I don't think he is. You know, it's not DOA. It's not like oh he's definitely not the guy. But there are more the questions DOA than would... there should be. DOA is literally on arrival. Like it's too late to be termed DOA. I mean, I don't think you're. I don't think he's playing like a fifty-one million dollar quarterback right now. Is the the way I'd simplify it. Um, I don't think anyone would disagree with you right now. Um, are we ready to move on to the Cowboys? Yeah, I guess we'll get into the playoff outlook. Yeah, uh, I, my my thought. We didn't workshop this uh, for the listener, but like, I mean the Giants were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs with this game. So like, this is obviously all about the Eagles and Cowboys. So let's get to the Cowboys and their game. And then we can kind of unpack the playoffness of it all. Um, the Cowboys fell on Sunday uh, against the Dolphins on Christmas Eve. Um, Cause again, time feels weird right now. Who made that uh, their lock of the week for the SB nation NFL show? I partly, and I mentioned this on the SB nation NFL show. I want to start tracking the teams we're locking. Cause I feel like you are, we all know that you are obsessed with the Cowboys and you care that about didn't apply. the Eagles. I, I know apply. it, but you you either the lock them week. or lock it. You've locked them up more times than I have this this season, and you lock against them in games that you're generally not. So it's it's really just the and Cowboys right and, and their them. kind of presence in the NFL, and then the Eagles for you. But anyway, uh, you did correctly lock them up. So kudos to you. Our same game parlay failed, um, which is mm. unfortunate. But you know we had that little run, and maybe that that was the moment. You know that's okay. But anyway, uh, twenty two to twenty was the final score. Uh, the Dolphins only reached the end zone one time in this game, um, which was... Uh, so it's not Dan Quinn. Can't be Dan Quinn this time. Look, I um, 
I mean, I know you've been very busy and it's the holiday, but like if you've paid attention to my post game show or any of our you know listeners or viewers or whatever have, uh, if you read my stock report, I acknowledge that I have been very hard on Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, unfairly so, uh, but that they really bounced back. And I wrote and I told you uh, about how I was so interested to kind of watch how he approached this game because it was kind of a, a baby Shanahan sort of opportunity, see how you could handle all of the motion. Um, and it wasn't just that they, you know, limited the Dolphins to mostly field goals. I mean, these were some long field goals. I mean, you know, these weren't like, yeah. oh, man, you just stopped them at the 20-yard line right. or whatever. Like, you know, they ha- there were several beyond the arc, you know, field goals in this game there's like a 57 um, sometimes, in there a 54 yeah right? I, I, sometimes that's just what it takes from your team to win and the dolphins got that obviously so i mean all credit in the world to dan quinn i know that they they bent on the final possession of the game but i, I, I they lost and that sucks but like i i don't hold that against them like they more than did their job in this game and in a weird way the offense was like moderately good um they just missed you know the way i termed it was i feel like they played great for the first 15 percent of the game and the final 20 percent obviously getting the um the go-ahead touchdown to brandon cooks but i mean that middle you know 65 percent is significant <laughs> like you know like and and they you know if you look at like their possessions and things like that yeah they scored and they were cashing it with field goals but on a day where your defense was standing tall and, and holding the dolphins to these long field goals or field goals in general you had to do more you had to mount a lead uh, the fumble on the first possession was really unfortunate, but a, mm-hmm. a, a play that I think is getting a little overlooked is the Tony Pollard non-touchdown, uh, yeah. the play right before. I've never seen that, that before. Like, tackle. It was a great tackle, but it was almost like literally every part of Pollard got into the end zone except for the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was crazy. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I hate to call it a bad break because it was a great tackle, but I mean, that was mm-hmm. a weird thing. And then the fumble, uh, and I know it's easy to say if they score that touchdown, then they have not enough points to win or at least, you know, not be in surrender a field goal and lose territory at the end. And maybe that's true. Um, but Vic Fangio is obviously a uh, powerful and great defensive mind. I think he called a great game for Miami. Um, mm-hmm. And so it wasn't as concerning of a loss as the Bills game was because it did feel like they lived up to the challenge in some ways. And it, it was really great to see you know, the offense obviously come together and thrive on a massive long, you know, possession to go take the lead at the very end of the game. Um, and I do think this is all an if, obviously, and a hypothetical now, but if if they had done that and if they had won, given what happened on Monday night, you know, with San Francisco, I think Dak might be, you know, right behind Lamar in, in the MVP discussion, but it didn't happen and they lost. And so he's not. Um, that's just, you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of moment people look for is like that that one drive, that signature mm-hmm. kind of sequence of events. Um, so yeah, I'm not concerned in, in like an overall sense and we'll get to the playoff picture and, and I'll kind of explain why, um, I feel like Dak played okay. I had him as a stock down. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I go through this, if you're unaware in our post game show, and I got a lot of pushback for this. I got a lot of pushback from like, man, Dak played really well. And I agree that he kept, you know, the team alive and kept a lot of drives alive that otherwise wouldn't have been, but I mean, he's not a fifty-one million dollar man, at least not yet. Right. Um, you you've got to do more. Like you know, you put up twenty do- points. That's not good enough. I mean, you, uh, against that's the what Dolphins. I'm saying. Like, I think it. I think it was quote unquote like good enough, like relatively speaking. But like, you had to be great. You know what I mean? Like, that's the point you're at in the year where good enough isn't good enough. If that makes sense. Well, if anyone said the Cowboys are only going to score twenty points and you're going into a game against the Dolphins, people are probably like, it's mm, probably not enough points because the Dolphins can kind of score a ton. So, yeah, I definitely think they fell short in that regard. And on the you know the flip side, if you're like, hey, Dolphins will only get 22 points in this game, I think a lot of Cowboys fans would have signed up for that going into the game because, again, that is the expectation that, um, you know, they're, they're going to score. They're not going to be shut out. 
So um, it's it is a game of inches in terms of Luke Schoonmaker not getting that touchdown against the Eagles, and obviously Cowboys messing up on that first drive, a drive in which uncharacteristically for most NFL teams, Cowboys actually decided to receive the ball on the coin toss instead of deferring, which that's um, becoming more of the norm for them. I don't know if you realize hmm. that, um, no. you know, there's a thought that they're better playing from ahead. That was kind of diagnosed by, by Greg Olson during the bills game, because if you're like Buffalo was, if you're able to get up on them early, you know, defensively, they're, they're not built for that. You know, they're not built for you to just run down their throats, you know, with the, the size they have in the middle of the defense. and makes it so demoralizing, though, when you don't score there. Like, it that's does. Like the 10-point swing, you know, it's like, okay, you fail to get a touchdown, the Dolphins go down and they get a field goal. Like, 10-point swing to start the game is kind of a, a huge deal in terms of momentum and feel and all of that. So that wasn't great for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, the fact remains that <laughs> – I mean, this is the biggest issue, obviously, and not breaking news. I know that, but they they can't win on the road, or they're just not this. They, they can't not that they can't win. They're not the same team on the road. Their road wins this year have been over what the Panthers, the uh, Chargers, and who else? The Giants. The Giants. So like, right. you know, it's like okay, not very clearly non playoff teams, all teams that are eliminated right currently in uh, week sixteen here. So um, that's been a huge issue for them, and and not only. Oh, the, did you them? say the Chargers? Sorry, the Chargers. Were yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, not only an issue for them in terms of like right now, it's like this is going to be the thing in the playoffs, not only having to play on the road, but also successively. I think that's that's a big thing that I know Jimmy, or aforementioned Jimmy Kemsky has been talking about. If the Cowboys, you know, assuming they don't win the East here, which they're still alive, we'll see. But assume, if what's in the scenario where they don't, they're going to have to play, what, six out of seven games on the road? That's really tough. Like we talk about all the time about, you know, having to play that three straight road games and that third road game is almost always a loss or like a really tough game. Six out of seven on the road is like a really tough thing. Um, I want to get to the road thing when we talk about the playoffs. And I, I don't have like a point, but I have like a point to raise that I would like to kind of kick back and forth. Um, so if you don't mind, I'd like to put a bookmark on that just for the moment because I want to wrap up the discussion on this game and then we can kind of get to that. Mm-hmm. Um my i think the biggest take is like why are you like cd lamb went forever in this game without being involved which is so stupid like what what are you doing um actually right as we're recording this uh friend of blog on the boys uh bobby belt from 105 through the fan tweeted this out broken down really nicely um against the dolphins drives for the cowboys with a touch or target for cd lamb there were four of them um only only four drives think about that where cd lamb touches the ball that's or even is even targeted on a pass. how many drives were there in the game uh like nine. nine yeah so there were five so more than half the time you're not involving him at all uh but whatever so on drives i mean the uh, dolphins do have good quarterbacks and sure drives with a touch or target for cd lamb four drives 45 plays 277 yards 17 points 17 of their 20 points drives without five obviously five of them 18 plays probably 60 you know you're not moving the ball a lot 66 yards 66 yards on five drives and only three points i mean like it's just you know you have to you have to be obsessed with getting him the ball. Like it's clear and obvious that he is such a difference maker. Like, and you know, for the longest time, their only touchdown was a 49 yard touchdown from CD. It wasn't even like a you know a, a long drive they put together. It was literally one where CD Lamb did half of the work. Uh, I mean, I don't mean to take away from everybody, but you get my point. Uh, like he had, and it, you cannot wait till the second half to get Jake Ferguson involved. Like that's you know those little things that I think you know teams take away but you have to find a way to kind of power through and 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 win with because the run game wasn't there Dak was under duress i mean it can't just Mm -hmm. be like oh they took cd lamb away so like we were stuck 
Yeah, I mean, teams want the ball to go to anyone else, but like that's a win. When when a, a defense is seeing the ball go to someone that's not CD Lamb, they're very thankful for that. Um, okay, let's take a break, and then I want to get to the kind of overall playoff discussion. So, Brandon, throw us to break. Like throw throw it like like a really hard throw to break. That's a that's a wind up, not a throw. Well, I have to reel the line in to cast it back out. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. Uh, Brandon's reeling us back in from the break. Um, Do you like to fish? Kind of boring for me. What's your favorite seafood meal? That's a good question. Hmm. I feel like I have an answer, and I'm trying to make sure it's the right one. I'm not forgetting it. My inclination is to go with. I'm trying to. Am I am I forgetting something? What's in my head first thing is catfish. I do like a good catfish. Catfish po' boy. I mean, that's a fantastic time. That's great. I am a fan of like, like a lobster taco. You do it the right way. You put the right kind of slaw underneath. Like that can be really solid. Um, it's kind of hard to mess up shrimp and shrimp is pretty versatile. Mm. You can, you know, put in, in pasta, you can put in tacos, you can eat it by itself. You've got coconut shrimp. If, if, if you know, sweet is more your taste. Um, so yeah. Mm. Uh, what is your favorite seafood meal mixologist? Let us know what the hashtag, uh, C, but S E A mix. That's what we want to no, go with. Hashtag I think you should C-mix. do N F C mixtape, but it's N hashtag N F S E A. And then mixtape. Um, like like Seattle, like the team that beat well, the Seahawks. NFC I mean, they beat the Eagles East, recently. I messed it up. Mm. NFC East mixtape, but you have to spell out this uh, the letter C as S E A. But the E and A need to be like the middle of the Venn diagram for East. Is that what you're saying? Like N F N F S E A S T N F C E A S T. Oh, okay. You could do that. Yeah. Any one of those. It's, <laughs> it's up yeah, to you. Anyone. It's fine. Um, Okay, all due respect, except not really, uh, to the New York Giants and Washington Commanders. They've been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. The, the Eagles knocked them out, baby. Now. Their season's over. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, you mentioned <laughs> locks the of the week. Um, my lock of the week was the Commanders, which was looking really bad, <laughs> like early on. Uh, but they covered, so it hit. Um, congratulations to me. I mean, I feel like we were both right and both wrong at the same time. You were ultimately, um, obviously, most right, but. 
I, no, I was ultimately the only one who was right, <laughs> just to be clear. Um, I locked them up. I mean, you and Steven, in time. terms of predicting that game, you were pretty confident in the Commanders. Covering. What do you mean, Steven? And... Steven took the Jets, too. You both ridiculed me for taking the Commanders. Oh, I thought he took the Commanders, too. No, shows how much you listen to us when we mm. talk. But um, Okay, so this is as of Tuesday, about lunchtime. Um, odds to win the NFC East. Well, I want to. I do want to touch on the Giants Commanders just a little bit. I think it's worth noting that DeVito, not a real thing. You know, benched I, um, unceremoniously. I have a friend who was like a lot of people kind of like, you know, done with the like the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. it was like becoming a, a craze and stuff. And my whole take at that time was like, dude, let let the 15 minutes ride itself out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is clearly not going to be forever. Like, I hope he's able to turn this into whatever he wants, you know, in, in the future, just individually. Um, yeah, this was a tough scene. Like on Christmas, you know what I mean? Like mm. it, the, the night that they beat the Packers with his like agent and was it his father um, in the crowd like that? That feels like forever ago at this point. It It is worth it in terms of like it, it was such a miserable season, as we've talked about from the Giants literally being down 40 to zero in the first game and never at any point like looking like, OK, you know, maybe they can do something, even like a little bit of a false hope. Um, so they did have the DeVito moment. And I think that's there's something to be said for that in a miserable season. Like at least you had a little bit of fun. Uh, but currently they actually are fifth overall in the draft order. So maybe they will get a top five pick depending on what happens here to close out the year. Um, but that's all I wanted to say about the giants. Really? Um, I have one giants thing actually. So I'm glad you okay. brought this up. Um, the, apologies for being upset with you. Um, you mentioned the end of the first half sequence for the Eagles, like, like totally fair to like drag and roast the Eagles for that. I don't know if Darren Waller got like hurt or, or what the situation was. Obviously, as the Eagles were trying to tie it up at the very end, you've got to know. Like you've you've got to get off the field. Like you you, you cannot yeah. waste that much time. Like I mean, he you know it I, again. He clearly was banged up. So I, I'm not trying to be like, oh, like don't deal with the pain. Like that is obviously like an impossible thing to say mm-hmm. in the claim. But like everyone has to be on the same page. Like hey, if we complete this pass. The mm-hmm. number one goal is to just get up and spike it. And then we can right. tend to whatever we have to tend to. But like that, I feel like he's, I mean, I believe that in a little bit of this trade, because it didn't require a lot. What was it a fourth round pick? Like, I, I never thought that that was like a, a massive price to pay. He has been so bad for them. And and just aside from that moment, that was actually a great catch. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember his total stat line in this game. Off the top of my head, I have it right here, actually. So he he had to have like six targets in this game. Um, I was off uh, five targets, two catches for 32 mm. yards. And one of them was that 20 yard reception. Like the return on investment, even as moderately low as the investment was, has been so poor for Darren Waller and the Giants. I'm looking up what they, they gave up from. I don't see it here. I'm pretty easily. certain it was a fourth round pick. It was the pick they got from the chiefs in exchange for Kadarius Tony. I, I know that it was, he'll, it was he'll be 32 though at the beginning of next season. Like, like that's what, that like, was, that was always your thing. Like, and again, it's not this foundational like, player. It doesn't bother me relative to the price paid. I mean, if they had traded a second round pick for him, then yeah, like, I mean, let's really get upset. But, but like, my thing know. with that was like, they acted like he was like their AJ Brown or their Tyreek. Like, this is the, mean, the move to unlock Daniel Jones. Like, you he, know, he would, well, like he had that 20 yard reception in like a clutch moment. You know what I mean? Like that player does exist, like in a, at least in a theoretical sense. But I mean, you have to know better. Like you cannot just let that clock. And in fact, that after he, you know, and again, I, I fully empathize and understand he's hurt, but then he's, you know, after he takes forever to get up, then he's calling for a substitution to be made. Just stand up, man. Just stand up and let Teron Taylor spike the ball. I mean, that I don't know fully what it wasted, but that had to have wasted like 12 seconds for the Giants all told. 
It was a third round pick. It was actually number 100 overall. So it's a, you know, a top 100 pick. It's like, it's it a, not nothing. Was it a comp pick? Um, I'm, I think it was the pick they got for Kadarius Tony. I, I literally just said those words for, for the audience. I literally just said that, like right now, like literally one minute ago. The audience they, just it's not even just the pick thing, though. It's also they signed him to a, a three year, set $51 million deal. Like they gave it's not even like, hey, you got him and he's on a nice contract. You gave him a new contract too just this past year. And like he's get, only getting older, so they're gonna have to deal with that in the future. Not great. I mean, I've acknowledged that it's not been a great thing. That was just a, a really bad moment for them overall. And it's unfortunate that he got hurt. I obviously, you know, hope he's all right. But I mean, man, that's but just also he gets hurt a lot. <laughs> that's what happens in his career. Um are we ready now? I mean the commanders, commanders cool you uh, covered against the Jets made me look smart. So I mean it's clear that Jacoby Brissett should have been playing earlier this year if they want if they wanted him if they wanted to be competitive, which was not fully the goal but this idea too that they they literally Rivera came out and like crowned Sam Howell as the quarterback of the future which is funny because he's not even going to be there but for them to be like be so confident that they found their guy and I, I don't think they are going to be ultimately after the season clearly especially after he's been benched twice and outperformed but also commander fans are acting like that too it's like he's the guy he's definitely it's like he's not the guy well there was the like I wouldn't say five minutes. It was like 20 minutes where he was leading the league in passing. Although he, at, at the time, they hadn't had their bye. You know, like most teams have. At least most, like, contending. And also, they were down a lot. So, they right. had to pass a lot. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't like, fault them for that. I mean, I think, again, I said this last week, and you rolled your eyes. And I recognize what the Bears paid and then the contract they paid. But, like, if I was a commander's fan, I'd be like, dude, we let Montez Sweat go. Like, he is, you know... He he looks like a foundational piece for the mm -hmm. Bears moving forward, like in a way that Darren Waller hasn't, at least at this point, for the Giants. And again, it was a, a high price that the Bears had to pay, and they gave him the big time contract. But like he's he, like there's a, a legitimate return on investment very early on for Chicago, and I think you would have to be a little bit panicked about that if you're a Washington fan right now. Mm -hmm. It's the All like right. it's the proverbial sorry like you know we could trade Montez Sweat for this pick and maybe that pick will become a player as good as Montez Sweat. You know what I mean? Like it's um, <laughs> the, the boat, the family, yeah, the guy, family guy boat thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's that. Um, what about, uh, did you see the report that Josh Harris potentially going to hire some Philadelphia people to lead the commanders in their next iteration? Cause he, he has the Philadelphia connections. Um, okay. There's a report from CBS about that. So, it doesn't impact the teams at all. There's no relation, but you might poach someone from the Eagles front office in part because there's a connection to being in Philadelphia. Oh, no. And you, like, I'm really, I hope you'll make it through this, Brandon. I really do. So, anyway, Not connected whatsoever. Zero impact. Um, the, um, the odds currently Playoffs. to win the NFC East. And these are per courtesy of our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Philadelphia Eagles, minus 475. Dallas Cowboys, plus 380. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously have been in the chaos of the game. Are you well caught up on what the Cowboys need to win the division? Well, let's start with the Eagles because really it's up to them. If the Eagles win, win out. out, obviously they win the division. That is win the most out. simple. Or any combination of two. Any Their magic number, the Eagles' magic number right now is two. Yes. Yeah. The, any Cowboys loss. way to put it or Eagles win counts towards that number. So the Eagles could theoretically be NFC East champions as soon as Sunday evening if Dallas right. loses on Saturday night to Detroit, um, and then Philadelphia beats Arizona on Sunday. Right. Um, so what I think is interesting, uh, well, let's get through the division first, please. Mm -hmm. um, so the Cowboys' magic number is three. 
they well, obviously they have to any Eagles loss but against the Cardinals on Sunday yes. or against the Giants next week, mm-hmm. and they have to win out. Um, now we are past the point um, where the strength of victory tiebreaker could yes. come into play. That is no longer a thing. Uh, what the the like reason for Dallas winning the division would be if uh, assuming they won out, if Philly lost to Arizona, it would come down to record within the conference. Yes. Um, and obviously, if Philly lost to the Giants, it would come. It would be the immediate tiebreaker, which is record or the second tiebreaker, Division. which is uh, divisional Division. record. Yeah. Just so we're understood of the mm-hmm. um, kind of particulars of it all. So um, the Eagles are what against the Cardinals? What's the, the opening line? I haven't seen it on DraftKings. I, I've been seeing different numbers floating around. I think it's around like eight and a half, nine and a half, ten and a half. I've seen all of those from different places. I'm going to check sure. it while you're talking right now. They still do not have it, DraftKings, um, at this moment in time. But Oh, no, they do. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's 11. It's 11. Yeah. Wow. It's up to Eagles uh, minus 11. Well, they were 14-point favorites <laughs> against it. Um, this is... I'm actually I'm not happy. I would have obviously loved if the Eagles had already lost this game. But if Jonathan Gannon is the person <laughs> to deliver the kill shot, it, it would be fitting. it would be so funny. And to your point, obviously, with like all the defensive like woes and whatnot. So that would be really, 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 really funny. So obviously rooting for that. Um what I kind of wanted to get to was your concerns and everyone's concerns about the Cowboys on the road are completely fair, right? Like um, and by the way, the Cowboys have have and the Eagles too, I believe clinched the five seed at worst um i think philly obviously numerically has more wins than the rams or seahawks can achieve dallas has the tiebreaker over both of them because the cowboys beat them both so Eagles also beat the rams yeah well but if, the seahawks. in a three-team tiebreaker um like if philly had whatever like hypothetically been tied with the rams and seahawks mm-hmm. it's um it's conference record so i don't okay. know if they because they didn't beat the seahawks obviously so but anyway they, mm-hmm. it's either the two seed or five seed for dallas i know it's still possible that um philly could be the one seed or the three seed um because <laughs> what a dumb thing and also if the eagles had just held on against the seahawks and i know it doesn't work like this because you know they could have lost some of those other close games but i'm just saying they had control of that game if they had beaten the seahawks they would be in control right now of the one seed like that's so stupid they would just they would be a giants win and a cardinals win away right now uh flip that order cardinals win and then giants win away from clinching the one seed and playing terrible football because the niners lost on monday just to be clear like they needed that and it literally just happened but um but it's still possible because like you said it's possible that if the uh uh 49ers who are now banged up lose to either the commanders which unlikely or the rams which that's quite possible with the rams you know potentially having playoff uh, implication to play for um that they could be the one seed. There's a 14% chance, according to New York Times. That's crazy. So for the record, if Cowboys fans don't know this, um, this is ca- pa- part of what makes Saturday's game so interesting, is the Lions are but in... Yes, they the, also the, the, the Lions. As, as, as the NFC North winners, um, now the Lions are in control of the two seed. If Detroit wins out, then the two seed is theirs, even if the Eagles win out. That's how mm-hmm. Philadelphia would be the three seed. So if Dallas beats Detroit on Sunday and we had yeah. been kind of forecasting this for a while, mm-hmm. um, it, it opened, it helps Philadelphia out from the perspective of having the opportunity to control their destiny towards the two seat. Although if Dallas were to beat Detroit on Saturday and then Philadelphia were to lose say on Sunday, then that would put Dallas in position for the two seed, at least to control their destiny for the two seed. Um, so obviously lots of things potentially at play before I go any further, what are you rooting for on Saturday? I mean, I think you're rooting for the right thing to me is the optimal scenario in terms of like getting the highest seed as you possibly can, because that's ultimately like the biggest goal. Um, To me, it's a win-win. 
I, I think like either outcome, I'm not going to be mad about, to be honest. But yeah, go Cowboys on this week for sure. Beat the Lions. Go ahead. Help out the Eagles. We'd love to see it. I I would almost be rooting for an Eagles win if the Cowboys lost because as it stands right now, if they were to both win, Dallas has to because they're they're going to play the same time next week, and it's going to be exactly like last year was where they were not able to manufacture their own buy. Now mm. Philadelphia obviously might not have the buy either, but um, I would be rooting for an Eagles win on Sunday if Dallas lost on Saturday, because that would lock right. them in and, you know, it would, it would give them, it would almost force them to rest players or, or at least not yeah. play Tyron Smith next week or whatever, things right. like that. Um, but I wanted to get back to the road thing. So we acknowledge and we agree that like the road thing is at the very least a thing. Like, even if you find it to be annoying or silly or just a narrative, like it's factual, it's fair. Like you, like you can't hide from it at this point. Like you're not playing as well on the road. That is objectively true. So despite that being the case and despite Dallas being, their overwhelming like pos- or likelihood for playoff seeding is as the five seed ESPN's uh, projection that they released on Tuesday has Dallas with an 81% chance at finishing as the five seed and only mm-hmm. an 18% chance at finishing as the two seed and DraftKings um, they don't do anything like that but still um, they have Dallas as the third favorite to win the NFC um, right behind Philly so San Francisco's plus 100 Philly's plus 380 Dallas is plus 450 so right there um, behind the Eagles and so my my thought or my question, again, I, I don't have like a point. I'm really just wanting to talk about this is we all like the football world agrees that the Cowboys clearly have troubles on the road, yet they are more than likely going to have to play literally every game on the road in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And despite this, you know, perceived potential truth, all odds makers and ESPN's football power index believe them to be a team worthy of, you know, reaching the NFC championship game and therefore winning games on the road which happens to be the thing that plagues them the most um again and i'm gonna write about this at blog on the boys if anybody wants to go check that out any cowboys fans um espn's prediction on all this um has the cowboys with the second best chances in the nfc of reaching the super bowl uh they've got san francisco with a 52 percent chance dallas at 18 and philadelphia at 16 detroit all the way down at eight so nobody believes in them so but like i'm just i'm really just asking because i find your opinion to be you know insightful how is how can these things can't coexist? You get what I'm saying? Like that Dallas would be perceived to be this great team in the playoffs that could win multiple road playoff games when they can't win a game on the road in the regular season to save their life. Well, I think it speaks to kind of the weakness of the field. I mean, no one's going to give the Lions, you know, they just haven't won a playoff game since 91. So no one's just assuming they can go Which into the playoffs against the Cowboys and go on a run. I, um, I didn't, but there you go. Uh, the 49ers obviously are a little bit less intimidating after I still think, you know, they're, they're clearly the best team in the NFC. I don't think anyone can argue that. And I think they're better than what they were last night. Like, I think, you know, that that's the very worst version of them. I think they will be better. And I think if they play the Ravens again in the Super Bowl, it would be a much more competitive game. I feel pretty confident in that, but um, yeah. So I think part of that's just about the field, but again, I, I think it's, it can't be like emphasized enough to, for the Cowboys to, end the season with what three out of four on the road right uh yeah and next week's game on the road against washington presents potentially different consequences right and we, we can't even define what they are right now obviously right like if if this week it went entirely dallas's way they, it would be complete and total consequences where if you win that game you win the division right mm-hmm. but if if dallas loses this week and philly wins then it's completely meaningless because you you're locked into the five seed as mentioned mm-hmm. or if both Dallas um, and Philly were to win this week, you would kind of have these half, you know, 
consequences like last year where you'd be playing, but you'd be scoreboard watching at the same time. So like this Miami game, and I talked about this as well, was like their last opportunity to prove in a game of full consequence. And again, even then they were already in the playoffs. You know what I mean? It wasn't like do or die, uh, but it was still the last kind of simulation, if you will, of road conditions and consequences. And they failed. They failed two weeks in a row with everyone saying that they couldn't do this. And again, mm -hmm. still, in spite of that, there's all these people who think that they can do it with all of the consequences on the line. It's weird. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to keep betting against them on the road until they prove otherwise. I mean, even that first matchup against the Bucks, like, I'm not saying the Bucks. I mean, it's. It, I feel like I feel very confidently it would be more of a game than it was last year when that Bucks team was clearly just like the Bucks didn't win the division last year as much as they kind of just lost. They didn't, survived. They yeah, survived. They, they the lost it less than everyone. They were literally below 500. They were a terrible team. They just weren't as bad as every other bad team in the NFC South. This Bucks team right now, especially if they win this week, they the Saints. That pretty. I don't know if that officially. I think that might. If not. Like they, they can essentially wrap up the division this week by beating the Saints and really kind of just putting their stamp on it. I don't think they're a juggernaut, to be clear, but like they could win a game. I think that's their ceiling. I think you could reasonably say their ceiling is one playoff win, especially at home. Um, so yeah, I just don't really love the Cowboys having to go on a bunch of tough spots on the road there and continue to just grind out wind after win. I don't think there's any benefit of the doubt that should be given to them, especially ultimately. And if they beat the Bucks, let's say, I mean, who are they playing at that point? They're probably playing the 49ers. Decent chance. So that's what I wanted to get to right now. Um, at, at current moment, after week 16, if the playoffs began, the Eagles would host the Seahawks. The Lions would host the Rams, the Matthew Stafford game that everybody wants to see. And the Cowboys would visit the Bucks. Um, I think the favorites would be Philly, Detroit, and Dallas, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously. And I think it'd probably go chalk. Although I'm... I'm I've said this before, like I think the Rams are very dangerous. Like I I do not want to see Dallas be the two seed and host the seven seed Rams. That is my worst possible nightmare. Um so they definitely have the best quarterback of any seven team, every any seven seed team. They're this they're the sixth seed presently, though. Um, oh, okay. So um and well, that's if they're the seven seed, they have the best quarterback of any seven seed ever, I'm pretty sure, in terms of like how they're performing right now. But what's significant about them being the sixth seed is if Philly doesn't win or doesn't take the two seed, right? Cause then it's Philly who would host them as the, as the three seed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't like, like I wouldn't bet on the Rams against Detroit or Philly, but it would definitely be the like quote unquote upset that I would be shocked the least by. So, and that that's what Dallas needs doubt. Like, because everyone's right. afraid of San Francisco, Dallas needs one of the lower wild cards to find a way and send them being the Cowboys to Philly or Detroit in the division around the playoffs mm -hmm. or even host. Like if, if all three wild card teams right. are to win for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. who do you want to see the least who do you want the eagles to see like i'm not i'm not even there yet like i'm not even i'm like you have to i'm not i'm not there because that that presupposes too much about the eagles like i need the eagles to look not terrible right now just against a bad team for me to even care like i don't care who they play right now it's not about opponent it's just about getting to this get actually get a good seed actually play some good brand of football and then I'll care. But right now, I honestly don't care. They can they just mean, can beat any team in the NFL, except maybe the 49ers, maybe the Ravens. They can also lose to any team in the NFL. That's where I feel about them right now. I think we've we've like gotten pat. We're like through the wall. We're no longer like bickering and arguing anymore, um, which I know are some people's like that's such a hit or miss thing as far as the mixologists. A lot of people really dig when we're just like at each other's throats, and a lot of people are like quipping children. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um 
whatever. Divisive. Because, right, it does feel like that juice is doing a tickle on my throat. It does feel like the Cowboys and Eagles are kind of fighting for second place right now. Like, who who gets to be the like team that goes to Santa Clara for the championship game just to lose, you know, 37 to 13? No one, it feels like I was going to come on earlier in the show and say, like, who wants to win the NFCs? No one see, apparently wants to win it. It's kind of just, again, <laughs> who's losing it less right now in terms of how things are going to end the season. Um, yeah, I do agree that, you know, it's still the 49ers, very much the 49ers, even if the 49ers fall out of control of the one seed, it's still, I still think it's their conference to lose. And that's where, to your point about like going to San Francisco in a weird way, I think. And one of our writers, Danny Phantom, made this argument um, prior to the Eagles-Niners game. He was like, we should consider rooting for Philadelphia to win this game because it probably sets up better for Dallas to go to Philly in a divisional round matchup than mm-hmm. San Francisco. Like, yeah, that you know, sense. and so, right. And so, like, if if Dallas were to lose on Saturday night, I would I would definitely be rooting for Philly to take the one seed because as the five seed, it seems likely that Dallas is going to head there. But again, it's just, it's a weird twist of turns because... You know, you think everything's going to go chalk, and I don't remember the line, obviously. Um, and I, and it, it bums me out that the 2022 Vikings are still catching strays from people. Like, people are like, oh, the Eagles suck. They're just like last year's Vikings. Like, let the Vikings be, man. Like, it was a year ago at this point in time. But if the Vikings had held on to, to win that game, Dallas would have gone to Philadelphia in the division around. And look, obviously, last year's yeah. Eagles were a monster, but I felt much better about their chances. And some of that's just like division rivalry. And, and obviously, they'd beaten them without Hurts, granted, um, you know, a month prior. But I mean, if the Giants wrecked that because the Giants managed to pull that game off, they sent Dallas to San Francisco in the divisional mm-hmm. round. And so like, we could sit here, we could be like, oh, well, I think the favorites would win. But like, all it takes is the Rams or Seahawks to pull this thing mm-hmm. off and throw the NFC playoff picture into total and complete chaos. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Do you have a playoff picture take? Because I feel like I've offered a few. Hmm. Bigger take, larger take. Any size take. take. Any any kind of any quality. I think the take. Lions are being a little bit discounted more than they should be, and I get it again because I said they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt after being a franchise that hasn't won since '91. I know that's not like the failures of all the other teams don't necessarily belong on this iteration of the team, but it's just hard to merely assume that it's going to happen when you don't see it happen for so long. But I think they're kind of rounding into form a little bit and they've been flawed. Like, look, you know, the Vikings had a chance at the end of that game, but I do think they have, if we're talking about vibes, I think they definitely have vibes working for them. And if it's, you know, a matter of like, I, I I brought this up on last show. Like, is it your year? That doesn't mean you win the championship just because it's your year. Like, does this have the feel of it? And they, they do have that kind of feel. So I think the Lions might be being a little bit discounted. I think a lot of people are going to pick against them in that first playoff game. And I get it again, but I think the, they might I be more threatening they, than people think. More people will definitely pick against them if the Rams are their draw. Because pe- people will fall for They'll be like, I think Matthew Stapp, you know, whatever. They'll, they'll just kind of fall for it. But um, do you know the Cowboys line? against detroit on saturday yeah because i looked at it it was when i saw it i think it was minus four they opened at minus five and a half the cowboys that's what it was Mm. late sunday evening and then that grew to six it is currently six and a half Mm. um in favor of the cowboys yeah like i think that's disrespectful i know the cowboys are being great at home but i think the lions are gonna make it a game this is like you're saying they're not even gonna make it a game almost um it's like a field goal kind of game 
I think the, I mean, I think the Cowboys should be favored by like four and a half or four. I mean, for the most part, they aren't games at AT&T Stadium, which is weird and, you know, whatever. And, you know, you can't, like, count on that. And the only team who made it a game. This current version of Lions, I think, is the best team that the Cowboys are facing at home this year. I mean, the Seahawks gave them the best, you know, game that they'd had at home. And that was a game, so to speak, obviously, they didn't cover. but um, And they trailed for the first time against Mm -hmm. Seattle um, in their building, obviously. But um, I guess that means it's time to pick. Should we just pick games? Should we just do that and, and get... Pick songs and get out of here. Is that what we want to do? Yeah. Is that the we move? We should go in order, right? Because that very much matters. In ter- like chronological order, that very much is relevant this week when the Cowboys are it, playing on Saturday. It matters because it's sacred. Like the order that we do is sacred around here. But to your point, it just so happens to matter consequentially with regards to the divisional race. Um, so, okay, Cowboys, as we just noted, six and a half point favorites against Detroit on Saturday night with Jimmy Johnson going into the mm-hmm. ring of honor at long last. I'll take the Cowboys... I think it's I think the Lions cover, but I think the Cowboys win because I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt at home. I know I said the it's kind of contradicts what I just said in terms of I think the Lions are gonna be not as feared as they should be. I think people are gonna view them as the fourth best team at best in the playoffs when I think they might be a little bit better than that. Certainly with the Eagles slipping. And uh the Cowboys also not looking their best right now. But I do think the Cowboys win, Lions cover. So there you go. What not that you? this is not that this is what matters, but this is Dak's last chance to remotely put himself in the MVP running. Like, there's a world where like he goes off on Saturday night and they have this big impressive win, and then Philly loses on Sunday, which opens the door of control for the division. And Baltimore looks bad against. Miami. I was going to say, like, like, everyone's ready to give Lamar the MVP. It's like you were, you've been saying. What do you mean, everyone? That's that's the song. You've well, been I mean, singing. after last night, I'm saying like everyone's like just like just call it now. It's not time to call it because if he go, because then what happens if he loses to Tua and he doesn't play well and Tua plays right. great? Like, is that? And then who's the MVP? That's what I, I don't, I'm not like saying this would guarantee it to your point, but like, again, if that hypothetical unfolded and, and that this game is in prime time on a Saturday night, you know what I mean? Like with all the like Jimmy Johnson stuff and whatever, like it, it's his last chance to make a legitimate push. That's maybe this the best is, way to put it. Is this like the weakest MVP? I mean, obviously I don't know ever in terms of way back, but it feels like in a long time, like who is the MVP? I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's Lamar right now, but I mean, again, assuming in the scenario where, yeah, the Dolphins do win and he doesn't look great. um, Then who is it? I I don't know. I mean, for what it's worth, DraftKings has um, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is second in odds. So, like, that's, I believe, the highest a non-quarterback has been yet, which is reflective of what you just said. Miles Garrett to Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is second in defensive player of the year they should, behind Michael We should Parsons. give him MVP. I mean, I think if there's a season to give it to a defensive player, I mean, he's been incredible. Or to an, just a non-quarterback. Again, and like that Brown's team, there's no way they should be. I mean, people are, like, joking, saying they give it to Flacco. Obviously, it's not going to happen. And he's um, been fine, but. I'll pick the Cowboys. And I. Yeah suppose i'll lay the points um i mean well and that would be really frustrating like if it pulled you know what i mean it'd be like y'all and and it would feed the like fear of not being able to play a home game you know what i mean in the playoffs so um of course that's what they're gonna do to us um the so the eagles then are in control of the two seed at this point yes at that point um the commanders because we have to pick this and they do play a role here um they are yeah 13 and a half point home underdogs (laughs) To the San Francisco 49ers. The Chase Young revenge game. If the Commanders play Jacoby Brissett, I think the Commanders cover. I do. The The 49ers are banged up at coming off of that Ravens game. 
And I also think the egos Short bruised week. a little bit there. Short week travel for and we saw how across the country. We saw how the 49ers kind of went through that rough stretch earlier this year. That those weight those losses seemed to kind of like weigh on them. They were like they were stacking. It wasn't like, okay, that was a one-off week. We can put it behind us. That didn't happen until what? They had their bye and they came back against Jacksonville. Like they had that chance to reset. I think it's possible that egos bruised a little bit. Again, I I, don't, I haven't seen the quarterback situation, but with Jacoby Brissett looking competent, I think the commanders can cover in this game, but lose. Um, I'm with you. I think so. Um, but I could also, I'm, I don't feel very, I'm going to make that my pick, like cover, but lose, but I don't feel confident. If, like, if I, could, I could totally starting. see like if the Niners. Starting, I, I reserve the right to flip my pick to 49ers. Well, everyone should listen to us on the Espionation NFL show on Friday right. where we will make our official picks. Um, the Giants are hosting the Rams and are six-point underdogs while doing so. Not as seismic of an effect on the NFC playoff picture that they can, you know, have. Uh, but they like whether they win or lose this game could or would impact whether Dallas or Philly sees the Rams in the wild card round or how they set the Rams up to potentially upset the Niners. I mean, again, everything is unknown at this point, but you get my point. What how many uh points? What's the line? Six. For this game? Six. And the Rams are at home? The Rams are on the road, coming off of the mm. Thursday night football win mini buy last week against the Saints. Mm. Okay, so I think the Eagles kind of need the Rams to not win this game. Um, that would Why? be or, or not clinch because then that gives the Rams motivation to play. I think if the Rams win this game and the Seahawks lose this week, then the Rams would clinch a playoff spot, thus, uh, and also have the tiebreaker over the Seahawks. So I guess would clinch maybe the six seed potentially. Yeah, uh, I think that's it, that's right. Um, the Seahawks, would, would, for what it's worth, are playing the Steelers at home. Mm. Um, they're three and a half point favorites. The Seahawks are interesting. Um, yeah. So in, in any case, the uh, that scenario would mean the Rams don't have anything to play for in Week 18 against the Niners, who the Eagles need to you know see the the Forty Niners either lose this week to the Commanders or. I mean, both would be great, sure, but at least one of those two games. So, um, but I mean, the Giants are terrible. They're a terrible team. They weren't close to winning as much as the Eagles were close to losing it and blowing it on their end. Um, I do think Tyrod gives them probably more of a chance. I'm taking the Rams. I'm laying the points. But I'm going to take the Rams as well and lay the points. The Eagles, as mentioned, um, wow, this was weird. DraftKings listed these. Oh, never mind. I looked, I read this wrongly. Um, so this is a noon game. So Cowboys play Saturday night, and then all three NFC East teams play Sunday at noon. So we'll have our NFC East answers at least as early. As, <laughs> this is know. the third one o'clock game for the Eagles this year. Um, Jonathan Gannon's revenge. Philly laying eleven points at home. Um, Cardinals. Cardinal, the, Cardinals points. Eagles win. That's going to be my official pick, but. Kind of the way Mookie said that um, the way the Seahawks played in Dallas gave him confidence that they could beat the Eagles uh, ultimately wound up being true, granted for completely different reasons than he forecasted. Um, the The way that the Eagles almost threw away the game against mm-hmm. the Giants, I wouldn't say like my confidence on this is, is 51% or higher, but it definitely rose that the Eagles will drop one of these last two games. You know what I'm saying? Like it might've been like at a 30%, you know, before Sunday. And now it might be like at a 40%. It's still, you know, the less likely or least likely thing. But I definitely feel better about that, even with one fewer opportunity, if that makes sense. Cardinals have the 32nd DVOA defense. So if the Eagles offense can't really cook this team, that would be pretty 
not good. I believe Cardinals are also pretty banged up, right? Yeah, I think they. Right. I think while we've been talking, I think they just placed an offensive lineman on injured reserve. I can't. Yeah. Um, so. So, I think the I, I can't give again. I always like to talk about benefit of the doubt. The Eagles deserve none the way they're playing right now, but the Cardinals also deserve it less. So that's why I'm taking same thing I said with the Giants last week. I'll take the points because there's no reason to believe in the Eagles covering, but I think they will win simply because their opponent is just truly a lot worse. So I'm looking one last thing up here um because i'm curious to see like what the cardinals like how, if they've been kind of peaking or fading um so i feel like there's a scenario where like the eagles go to the super bowl and win the super bowl is like the least accomplished super bowl winning team ever like they just keep doing this every week it's like every week they play a terrible game and then they somehow win and no one feels good about it and it would just be very fun and i don't think this is actually the most likely thing obviously with how they're playing i think the most likely thing is they lose in the playoffs but it would be very fitting and funny that they like win a championship and like obviously people would feel good about it because it's the goal at the same time be like that team wasn't even good they won a championship they weren't even a good team um what um what 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 was week 10 for the cardinals can you look that up please i think that was, was that obviously when tyler came back i think it was um they played the falcons i think in his first game back um so looking at ftn fantasy's weekly dvoa I mean, prior to that, outside of the game against the Cowboys, obviously, they they were horrible. I mean, like, every week was a negative figure, although, again, the week three game was 74.7%. It's just amazing how poor Dallas played. Uh, but did, have you found week 10 for the Cardinals? And Yeah, verified? they played the – that was the Kyler return game that was uh, in Arizona, and, and they so, the, the lowly Falcons by okay, two points. So they had a 15.6 uh, positive DVOA rating. What was week 11? Was it the Pittsburgh game? Week 11, they were at the Texans, and they lost that one by five that was points. Negative 8.7. Week 12 was a blowout. Rams loss in, uh, at home in Arizona. That was awful. Uh, but so since week – I mean, I would say, like, they've been they really the bad. the Steelers, but, like, mm, they had a was, six. Uh, that was their last positive weekly DVOA grade. It was, it was a 6.5% of week 13. Then they were on by – and they got smoked, minus 47.7. Last week was mm -hmm. only a minus 14.6. Boston I mean, Justin Fields, terrible. Yeah, and that's on par as far as last week is concerned with the Packers, um, who won, uh, by the way, and they obviously were horrible on defense. Um, so, I mean, in an objective sense, this is among the best that they have been this season. But that mm -hmm. just speaks to, like, how bad they've been for most of yeah. them, if that makes sense. So, you never know. Uh, let's do songs. Uh, Rachelle, I'm pulling up our message with her. She said her exact words were, I'll wrap up holiday season with Soul Holidays by Sounds of Blackness. Boom. Yes, I mean, I don't know if I want to put a Christmas song. I mean, I know that Christmas has passed, but like, you know. Well, not, I mean, technically Christmas Day has, but some would say the Christmas season continues mm. until, I forget, I don't know, depending on what religion or whatever you want to go by. What you um, what's your song? No, what's your song? No, I want to hear your song. What's your song? Okay. I'm going with my most played song this year on oh. Apple, Apple Music. I don't, you know, you and I are both Apple Music people. We don't use Spotify. So not my Spotify wrapped, but the Apple Music equivalent of that was by the Smashing Pumpkins. It is Tonight Tonight. It's a really good song. And I really think it was thematic to me uh, for the year 2023 i made a new year's resolution and stuck to it for all of 2023 at least as i tried to obviously maybe i fell short at certain points but 
I said to myself, I'm going to be more decisive in 2023. Mm. I'm going to make more confident decisions. And I think that helped me as a person grow my confidence as a whole, which is nice because it's something, admittedly, I've struggled with. It's a constant battle. It's not something that I feel like comes as naturally to me as other people, which isn't always good, too, especially in my line of work, because, you know, I, I have to come on here. You got to deliver confident takes. Can't be Mr. Fancy Fencerton. That's not fun. No one cares about that. Anyone can say, oh, you know, there's this and then there's that. You can, anyone can say that, look at both sides of it. Sometimes you got to come in with a take and deliver it and stick with it. So um, I think everyone should try to aspire to believe in themselves more and obviously that's not an easy thing to do there's a lot of good resources out there for that um but there's a line in tonight tonight that says believe in believe in me as i believe in you and i think the song was written um in perspective of the writer like he was kind of saying that to himself like you know like believe in yourself so i think that's a, a good positive message we can end the year on i'd recommend that as a new year's resolution for anyone uh believe in yourself because you're probably worth it Wow, I wish I'd gone before you, because <laughs> that's a really difficult thing to follow. Um, that's awesome. Um, you know, uh, I really hate everything about the Eagles, but I'm a big fan of, of Brandon Lake Gotten. And so um, really pleased and, and happy for you and your growth individually. Um, and, and here's to 2024 and even more confident decisions because you are worth it. So uh, good for you, developing some confidence. And again, um, cheers to that rolling over into 2024 and beyond. Um, I always find resolutions to be funny because it's like, well, what do you do like when in, like in 2024 in this case? Like, does it stop? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you I'm just... going to try to stick with <laughs> it. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just like, I think it's just like a, a device. Just like try to, to something to get the ball rolling. Um, that is um, a very, very cool kind of just overall motto and creed and idea and disposition. And so uh, I'm glad that you had a song that um, kind of lined up with that ideology. Um, Again, I really wish I'd gone uh, first. I gave uh, you a chance. I said I know. you should go. Um, I thought I so I thought about going with a New Year's song, but the only one I could think about was um, it's not even a New Year's song. But have you heard the song 2012 by Jay Sean? No. Um, so he's kind of like singing it from the perspective of remember when everyone thought the world was going to end? In I was going to say <laughs> what December was it? December twenty second or twenty third? Uh, I think it was twenty. Oh, was it the twenty fifth? But twenty um, first maybe. Yeah, so like whatever that was, like the was it the Mayan calendar? And um, he did, by the way, it did. Uh, but so like he was writing a song, and there's a YouTube video of like the kind of behind the scenes or whatever. Twenty first, and thank you. And so he's like, they want to call it 2012, and so um, the chorus he says, "We're gonna party like like it's the end of the world. We're gonna party like like it's 2012." And I remember like in the like behind the scenes video, he's like, "Everyone, he's he's British, so he's like, everyone's gonna be bumping this." On New Year's Eve, whatever, which uh, takes me to my question. Do you like this year? Do you call it New Year's Eve 2023 or New Year's Eve 2024? Hmm. I think you would say 2023. I think so, because it's the eve in 2023. I, I recognize it's the eve like of, of, of. 2024, but hmm. it's not. But maybe, in. OK, then maybe that's wrong. But you would say Christmas Eve, right? For the day after. No, I'm saying like it's New Year's it's Day Eve 20 of Christmas, but it's New Year's Day 2024. It's it's New Year's Eve 2023, like which mm. if you like understand what that implies means you're leaving 2023 into 2024. Mm. Uh, but that's not my song. Nevertheless, although don't get the listeners song. started on the uh, the years thing again. Let's use a uh, hashtag mixtape. But the E is the middle of the Venn diagram for V or for Eve. So mixtape. 
you know, that's the hashtag we want to use to get your thoughts on this. Um, my song is kind of a New Year's song, but I've always associated it with Christmas um, and just this time of year. It is the song 525,600 Minutes from the Rent soundtrack, the movie. Mm. Uh, that's my favorite version of it. Uh, yeah, which I never was, saw that movie. It's excellent. Um, obviously, I've never seen the, the show, but uh, the movie is incredible. Uh, the whole soundtrack is great. Um, and when I saw this, and they said it's an opening number to the movie and the show in general, but I remember I was like in high school. And I remember being like, that's not right. And, and, and like, just kind of like doing the math and being like, well, there you go. <laughs> that really is like a year. Uh, so it's a great song kind of about the perspective of what a year offers and how it can change. Um, as the second act of the movie starts, they, they sing like a twist on it and they talk about how you can measure a year in cups of coffee, in laughter, in all sorts of things. And so um, while a year is technically and literally 525,600 minutes, a year is whatever you define it to be. And so mm -hmm. I hope whatever our listeners define this one to be, whether they spent 525,600 minutes with us or not, which would be impossible because we didn't record for the entire year. <laughs> but um, I hope that they were, are and were able to measure it in whatever makes them happy or whatever brings them peace, love, and joy. The next time we'll be talking together, it will be 2024. So how okay. about that? Then, Brandon, count us down. 10, 9, nine eight, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year. Sync this up to Happy New Year. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.